Uh, cold open this week. Happy Monday, guys. Hope you're, uh, you're going to have a good week. I hope I'm going to have a good week. This is something that I wanted to post last week, but I was not able to because the Oscars kind of took a little bit of a precedent. Um, I talked a lot about the Oscars, and I actually watched the show for the first time, and I was really excited, and I had to put that episode out last week. But on April 24th, uh, some very big news happened that I wanted to kind of share. And uh, this episode is a good way to present that news. Um, I recorded this episode back in September, back when I wasn't posting anything. Um, It's the first solo show, well, probably one of the first solo episodes I ever recorded, uh, apart from Matt, and I scripted it, and you can tell. It's not very good, but I want to put it out anyways. It's kind of applicable, because on the one hand... um, English soccer's winding down, baseball's kicking up. I think it's a good time to have this conversation. So um, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. I will holler at you again uh, at the end and, you know, send you off properly. So enjoy. This podcast is an open letter to you, the listener, and to Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Major League Baseball. Rob, Robert, Bobby, how does it feel to be the captain of a sinking ship? As you well know, baseball is a dying sport, and I know just how to fix it. Since 2007, baseball has been declining in popularity. Ticket sales and people watching the broadcast of games has been going down on a steady decline for the past 13 years. America is losing interest in its own national pastime. Now, how can we possibly spark interest in a dying sport? See, most people would say that adding a pair of expansion teams would add some new fans to the mix. But what about the other 142 professional baseball teams in America? Why can't they bring baseball back to life? I'm referring to minor league baseball. You see, minor league baseball is a system of 261 teams that exist mostly for their own good, but also for the development of Major League Baseball players. 142 of those minor league teams are on a professional, full-time basis. So, minor league baseball is set up into different tiers, different levels of minor league baseball. At the top, you've got AAA. Then right below that, AA, single-A advanced league, single-A, and single-A short season. So you've got, count them, five different tiers of minor league baseball. See, AAA and AA baseball, they all have some sort of a agreement with major league teams that they will take some of their players on contract to play for them so that they can get good enough to play in the majors. But practically all minor league teams are independently owned and operated. While they might have some kind of an agreement with major league teams, they are all working on their own, playing baseball on their own. So why can't we get people to care about these teams? Allow me to elaborate. If you were to plot the location of every major league baseball stadium in America, you would see something really weird. You would see some teams that are way out by themselves, and then you'd also see a lot of teams really bunched up together. For example, the Seattle Mariners 
are the team that has the furthest distance between them and the next closest team. It's 806 miles between the baseball park in Seattle and the Oakland A's baseball park in Oakland. And yet, on the other hand, you've got eight teams in the Northeast. Eight out of 30 teams in Major League Baseball exist, all bunched up together in the Northeast. The furthest of those apart, the Toronto Blue Jays and the Boston Red Sox, they're only 550 miles away. And the rest of them are so close that you can be there only in a couple hours. And see, I, in Bowling Green, live in this weird no-man's land of professional baseball. To the west, you drive four and a half hours and you can be in St. Louis, where the Cardinals play. You can drive about four hours north and be in Cincinnati. You can drive about five hours south and be in Atlanta. Now, if you were to take a conservative estimate of the population here in Bowling Green, you'd ask, which Major League Baseball team do you support? You'd probably guess the teams closest to us, right? That you'd have about a 33-33-33 split among those teams. But that's not the way it works. In fact, I know more Chicago Cubs fans than I know fans of any of these three teams. And that's weird, right? I mean... If you were to ask people in Bowling Green, which Major League Baseball team do you support? You probably wouldn't get a lot of people that say they're baseball fans in the first place. Much less that they have a team that they actively support. You know what makes that even more of an odd thing? It's that we live in a town where there is a minor league baseball team. The Bowling Green Hot Rods. See, the stadium is rarely half full. And it's easy to forget the team even plays here. That needs to change. Let's take a step back and look at this full picture. I got on a map customizer online and I plotted every major league team, every triple A, double A, single A advanced, single A, single A short season. I plotted every single stadium in America. And Bowling Green isn't necessarily in the middle of nowhere. We're not talking about some city in the middle of Wyoming here. If I were to take the average distance between the three closest major league teams that I mentioned earlier, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Cincinnati Reds, and the Atlanta Braves, the average distance between their stadiums and my apartment is 261 miles. And that's not that far. I mean, like I said, it's about a four and a half hour drive in either direction to get to one of those stadiums. You take that same radius, 261 miles, and you apply that to any professional baseball team, so majors and minor leagues included, you've got 10 professional baseball teams. And I only know two of the seven that are minor league teams, the Bowling Green Hot Rods, which exist in the city that I live in, and a team called the Jackson Generals. Now, the only reason I know the Jackson Generals exist is because they just exist, their, their stadium is right off the interstate on I-40. So if you're driving towards Memphis, you're eventually going to drive past their stadium. So that means that there are five other minor league teams in a reasonable driving distance of Bowling Green that I could not tell you where they're from, what their mascot is. I know nothing about them. And that's a shame because it's professional baseball. It's a professional sport. But we don't even care about these teams. Due to COVID-19 restraints here in Bowling Green, 
and frankly all across America, minor league teams aren't playing. So our Bowling Green Hot Rods haven't played baseball in months, and I'm not sure anyone in town has really noticed. Like, the stadium, just it's just there. It's just a landmark. You know, I don't think anyone has even noticed that the team's not playing. And you know, I would even venture to say that Bowling Green would be no different if the Hot Rods didn't play there. Think about that. You ha- we have a professional baseball team in our city, and if they picked up and left and played somewhere else, we probably wouldn't even notice. We definitely wouldn't even care. So how can we remedy this problem? How can we get people to care about these minor league baseball teams? Enter the English Football League, or the EFL for short. And yes, I'm going to call it football, even though in America we will call it soccer. It's just easier that way. Based on all the research that I've done, I'm going to call it football. So, the EFL, the English Football League. See, it's structured actually very similarly to baseball here in America. See, in the EFL, you've got the top league, what would be our Major League Baseball. They have the Premier League, the biggest, the richest, and the most successful clubs play in the Premier League. See, one quick thing. Notice that I said clubs and not franchises. See, that's because the team structure of the EFL is completely different than the team structure in American sports. See, these they started off as clubs of people that just wanted to play soccer together. Now, here in America, our teams are franchises. They can be bought and sold, picked up, and moved to another city at the wave of one rich man's hand. See, these early clubs were owned, for lack of a better term, by its members and its supporters. Now with football being the most popular sport in England and all of Europe, it's, it's become a lucrative business. And these teams, these clubs, are worth a lot of money. See, while they used to be essentially fan and member owned, they're now owned by one or two individuals. Like, you can look online and say, I know who owns Liverpool. I know who owns Chelsea. I know who owns Manchester United. But these smaller clubs, clubs that aren't in the Premier League, but they're in these kind of minor level, couple tiers down, these clubs, they're owned by trusts. See, the fans buy a small stake in the team and become part owners, kind of like buying shares in stocks. The Green Bay Packers actually did this many years ago. Uh, The owners threatened to pick up the team and move it, and the community in Green Bay actually got together and bought enough of the team to keep it in the Bay. And this is fairly common in English football. See, these fans own part of the team. And the most popular way we can see that in American culture... um, comes in the form of America's favorite third-tier English football team, AFC Wimbledon. See, internet personality and writer John Green is an avid fan of AFC Wimbledon. And he talks about them quite a bit through his Vlogbrothers series on YouTube. And every single week in his podcast, Dear Hank and John, he gives a weekly update on the state of the team. And as I've listened and consumed media that John Green makes, 
I've learned that AFC Wimbledon has a really cool history. And I'm going to tell it to you. See, AFC Wimbledon began just like any other football club. Wimbledon FC was founded in 1889. Now, I know I said two different names, and that's going to become important in just a moment. Wimbledon FC was founded in 1889 in Merton, London, by a bunch of young men that went to school together that wanted to start a football club. And over the years, this team became more successful, and they got bigger, and they got better, and they climbed the ranks of English football to be a third-tier team. They existed in League One. And they were great. They were successful. They were doing well. But in 2002, the team was on the brink of bankruptcy. And the owners decided that the way to save the team would be to pick them up and to move them. Now the fans, they hated this idea. They did not want their team to be picked up and moved somewhere else. But the Football Association gave the owners permission to pick up the team out of Wimbledon and move them 60 miles north to Milton Keynes. Now, the fans, they were not happy that their team was now gone. Now, what do you think these fans did? Well, they became Milton Keynes fans. Incorrect. See, when it comes to European soccer, especially in England, the teams aren't loyal to the club. They're not loyal to the jersey. They're not loyal to the players. They're loyal to where they're from. They're loyal to Wimbledon, not the team. So in 2002, when Wimbledon FC was picked up and moved to Milton Keynes, a bunch of fans decided that they were going to start a new club, a new team for Wimbledon. They held open tryouts. Any random person could come up off the street and decide that they wanted to play professional football in England. And they started at the bottom tier of English football. I mean, they were not a professional team. They hardly had professional players. They hardly had uniforms. They were playing on shared f- a shared ground. And they were just this scrappy young team coming out of Wimbledon. They began their new campaign in the lowest tier of English football in 2002. Through that time, they've not been able to afford their own stadium. See, old Wimbledon FC used to play in a stadium called Plow Lane, which is located, you won't believe it, on Plow Lane. And the fans, during their games, they'll be at this stadium that they have to share with another club, and during their matches, they'll sing this song called Show Me the Way to Plow Lane. It's something that they do in Europe, is that the fans all sing together, and it's really, really cool. Now, it's no take-me-out-to-the-ball game, because it's better. See, these fans, they sing these songs that are important to their team, and it tells a story. The song, Show Me the Way to Plow Lane, goes something like this. Show me the way to plow lane. I'm tired, and I want to go home. I had a football ground 20 years ago, and I want one of my own. Now, this year, construction has already been kicked off, and AFC Wimbledon is going to have its own stadium once again on Plow Lane. And the fans, they're absolutely thrilled with this. Because now they have seen their team get picked up and moved away. And they've seen a new team start and build and rise. And now they finally get to come home to a new stadium 
that is theirs. They don't have to share it anymore. It is their home from now on. And now this team, AFC Wimbledon, that started from scratch, has become this pillar in the community, is now two steps away from being a Premier League team. Just think about this. Like This is what American sports could be. Now, this is where we kind of talk more about the structure of the EFL. See, the entirety of the English Football League is divided up into leagues, much like American baseball. You have the Premier League at the top. That's the best teams in all of England. The next step down is the, the league championship, which has a really deceitful name because it's not the championship. It's the second tier of English football. One tier below that, you have League One, which is the third tier. Then League Two, Three, Four, so on and so forth. But year after year, these leagues don't contain the same teams. These leagues change year after year. See, the English believe that in this idea that the most qualified clubs deserve to be in the better leagues. So the best clubs at the end of the season will get promoted up a league and the worst teams get booted down or relegated to a lower league see allowing teams to rise and fall this way creates this storied history for a team and the fans it just gets them more and more entrenched and interested in their teams see all the teams are playing in the same division to steal a term from american sports See, their standings are shown in a table. They're not split into conferences or divisions. All the teams are squared up with one another. Every time a team wins a match, they're given three points in this table. Anytime they draw a match, they get one point. If they lose, they get none. So as the season goes on, these point tallies, they, all the points get tallied up, and teams are ranked based on how many points they have in a table. Tiebreakers are done by goal differential, which becomes really important late in the season, and I promise I'll get back to that. See, baseball could work like this too. You have 172 professional-level baseball teams in America, and under the current system, all the teams that the best teams in America are all playing in Major League Baseball, and that's undeniable. But do we have proof of that? See, if we allow the worst teams in Major League Baseball to get sent down to AAA, and the best AAA teams to get sent up to the majors, we would, year after year, have the best, the guaranteed best teams in America playing for Major League Baseball. And I'm not saying this as a fan of a team that's been really good for a really long time. I'm a Kansas City Royals fan. And yeah, we won the World Series in 2015, but in the years before that, and frankly in the years after that, the Royals have stunk. They are bad. There are years that the team is just terrible. And any reasonable baseball fan wouldn't want to share a league with my lousy Kansas City Royals. They want to play teams that are good and that are trying to win games. See, nobody wants to share a league with a team that's losing over 100 games a season. Like, that is not fun to watch. I mean, think about other American sports. American football. Who liked watching the Browns lose every game 
of the season for multiple years in a row. NBA fans, who's liked watching the Knicks tank year after year after year, trying to chase after draft picks? Nobody does. But if American sports followed the promotion and relegation model, you'd create a better sports atmosphere. See, teams wouldn't tank. Because if they tank, they lose a bunch of games, and they'd get relegated. And all of a sudden, they make less money because they're on TV less often. They probably have less ticket sales because the games are not the best games. They're not in the best league. And because you wouldn't have teams tanking for draft picks, you'd have to get rid of the draft, which I am in full favor of. I think the draft is an outdated system that you know favors underperforming teams, and in some ways it even... In some ways, it even, like, rewards bad behavior. And this relegation and promotion model, it's the American dream in action when you think about it. You're allowing a team to pull themselves up from their bootstraps and to turn nothing into something and to fight to be a major league baseball team. So you're giving teams and organizations the ability to play for something that matters. And that's just not the case in minor league baseball. No one cares because the games don't matter. A lot of the players are just there to try to find their way to the majors. The games don't matter. The teams don't matter. No one cares. But if you gave the teams the opportunity to do something greater, to go on and climb the ranks to be a major league team, the players would care more. The organizations would care more. And so would the so would the fans. Like, here in Bowling Green, if you told us that our hot rods could someday be a major league team based on how their team, how we play, I think you'd have a lot more people that care and are more interested in the team. Because all of a sudden they're playing for something that's real and that matters. I mean, imagine a world where there are fresh new teams every single year to watch in the majors. I mean, who doesn't want to live in a world where we could see the Rocket City Trash Pandas be a Major League Baseball team? I mean, I know I do. Just based on plotting and looking up all of the minor league teams, that's where all the creative names are. Like, there are really cool mascots in the minors. In Lakeland, Florida, there's a team called the Flying Tigers. And it's awesome. Who doesn't want to see those teams... Do something that matters. So, I'm sure you've got a lot of questions and concerns about how this could work practically. Well, what would happen if a major league team gets relegated and they don't just bounce right back and come back to the majors? Like, how do they recover from that? Well, they'd have to recover just like every other team would. They'd have to rebuild and win games. Hear me. I'm going to tell another story about another English football club. This time, Leeds United. Leeds United was at the top of English football in the early 2000s. In fact, they were actually at the top of European football. Because year after year, they were consistently qualifying for the Champions League. Only the top four Premier League teams in England get selected to go play in the Champions League. The Champions League is a Europe-wide league of teams it's the best teams in all of europe so not just was leeds a good team in england 
They were a good team compared to other teams all around the world. And based on that, they were making a lot more money because they're on TV more often. They have more games to sell tickets to. They're very, very popular. So Leeds is making a lot of money and they decide to take on some loans. Well, all of a sudden they hit a patch of years where they didn't qualify for the Champions League, which means they make less money. All this extra money they were getting, they no longer have. And they can't keep afloat on their loans. So they had to cut players. And when you have to cut players, man, the team suffers. So on the brink of bankruptcy, they have to cut players. And by 2004, they were relegated to the league championship. No problem, right? They'll just have a year down with these worst teams and they'll come back to the Premier League and everything will be fine, right? Well, that's not what happened. See, in 2004, when they were relegated, they floated around the league championship for a few years and then they got relegated again in 2007 to League One. So in the span of five years, one of the best teams in Europe now found themselves in the third tier of English football. In 2007, they were not happy. They decided they really needed to take the rebuild seriously. So they rebuilt. They fought. And by 2010, they climbed their way back up to the league championship. And then they stayed there for 10 more years. And then this year, actually just a couple months ago, July 17th, 2020, Leeds United finished their league championship season at the top of the table and won the playoffs, being the best team in the league championship, meaning that after 16 years away from the Premier League, Leeds United is finally a Premier League team once again. And fans of all football are so excited to see Leeds United play again. Not just their own fans. See, because of Leeds' history, being one of the best teams in the Premier League, and being a team that nearly won the Champions League two or three times, they have this great storied history, and now they've been gone for 16 years. But to see them come back, fans of all over the sport are excited to see their team, to see this team come back to the Premier League. See, relegation doesn't mean that teams are lost. doesn't mean they're gone forever. All relegation does is builds this platform in which a, this great rebuild and this great story gets told through this team. Well, what about the playoffs, you might ask? Oh, the playoffs. I actually like the playoffs. I think that's a major strength of American sports. And actually, I really love baseball's playoffs. The strategy behind it, it's really great stuff to watch. But playoffs can still exist in this model. And in this, if we were to set it up the same way, you'd have, we could still do the playoffs with the table format instead of the conference and division format. See, players, teams, and fans have offered this idea that the best performing teams make the playoffs, no matter their division or their conference. And I happen to be one of these people. See, take the NBA, for example. For the past several years, the Western Conference has been the better league, the better conference in basketball. But the best eight teams out of the Western Conference get to go to the playoffs. Now, the East has teams that underperform teams in the West. But still, the best eight teams out of the East get picked. 
Now, what this means on a grand scale is that you don't have the 16 best NBA teams in the playoff. Instead, you've got the 8 best from one side of the country and the 8 best from the other. And teams are getting left out of the playoffs just based on which conference they exist in. Now, you could fix the playoffs by doing the same thing. You pick the same number of teams for the playoffs, except you just take the best off of the table. And then that way, you have better teams in the playoffs. You have better matchups and better games. And what better way to show... What better system to show off the best teams that you have in your sport than to take the best teams, have them compete against each other for the ultimate title? Now, let me run another scenario by you. Allowing teams to get relegated and promoted to different leagues makes the end of the season so much more fun to watch. See, the last day of the Premier League season, all 20 teams play the exact same time so all teams are playing and all the matches kick off at the same time so there's 10 different matches on and practically all of them matter to one team or the other see my premier league team of choice Watford FC on the last day of the season they sat in a relegation spot they were also tied in points with two other teams so what that meant this scenario was set up where my favorite team was one of three teams that could be relegated. Two of them would, one team would escape and get to play in the Premier League next season. So based on the result of their three games, my team would either get relegated or they would stay in the Premier League. And that's exciting to watch. Like, you have my favorite team playing Arsenal, a very rich, very big team, and taking them 4-3, ended up losing that match. But, depending on what happened to the other games, they might be able to survive. It makes the bottom of the table really exciting to watch. But it also makes the top of the table really exciting to watch. At the top of the table, it's really exciting to watch too. Like I mentioned earlier, the top four Premier League teams get to go play in the Champions League. But on the last day of the season, only two of those spots were locked up. There, there were three teams that could still possibly have made the Champions League. And it came down to the last day of the season, the last match. And so you had six out of the last ten games that all really mattered to one side or the other. Whether that meant they get relegated or whether that means they got to stay up or whether that means they get to go play in the Champions League, the last day of the season coming up at the end is so much more exciting when you have this relegation and promotion model. Now, unfortunately, my team ended up getting relegated, which, like I mentioned, is only going to make their story and their rebuild way more fun to watch. I was sad to watch Watford get relegated, but I'm going to be so excited when, down the road, they find their way back to their Premier League. So that's it. That's my pitch. That's how we save baseball. We allow teams to play for something that matters. We get the minor leagues involved. It makes baseball way more fun to watch. And like, honestly, baseball so far has not been fun to watch. That's why it's been on decline for 13 years. But this is how we can fix it, Rob.
I'm just giving you this on a silver platter. I don't even need the credit for it. Do the right thing, man. You could kick off a new era in baseball and go down in history as the guy who saved America's pastime. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Relegate the Astros. Uh, Cold open this week. Happy Monday, guys. Hope you're uh, going to have a good week. I hope I'm going to have a good week. This is something that I wanted to post last week, but I was not able to because the Oscars kind of took a little bit of a precedent. Um, I had talked a lot about the Oscars, and I actually watched the show for the first time, and I was really excited, and I had to put that episode out last week. But on April 24th, uh, some very big news happened that I wanted to kind of share. And uh, this episode is a good way to present that news. Um, I recorded this episode back in September, back when I wasn't posting anything. Um, It's the first solo show, well, probably one of the first solo episodes I ever recorded, uh, apart from Matt, and I scripted it, and you can tell. It's not very good, but I want to put it out anyways. It's kind of applicable, because on the one hand... um, English soccer's winding down, baseball's kicking up. I think it's a good time to have this conversation. So um, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. I will holler at you again uh, at the end and, you know, send you off properly. So enjoy. Uh, Thank you guys for listening to that. Um, It wasn't pretty, and I'm aware of that. I listened to all of it, and I was a little embarrassed to put it out, but I'm doing it anyways because I didn't record anything else, and this has been sitting on my computer since September. So uh, we're just going to let it rock, you know? Um, I'm happy to announce, and so the reason that I wanted to post this this, uh, last week was that on April 24th, um, after a win, Watford had secured a spot to promotion into the Premier League. So... um, all season they've been playing really really well they've excelled and they have secured a spot into the premier league for next season and i'm very excited about it that i didn't have to wait um you know 16 years like Leeds did to get back into the premier league so very excited for that um that's that's going to be really cool and that's why i wanted to post this uh, is because by the time i recorded that last year watford had been relegated and now they're back and it's just really exciting. So that's why I'm posting this right now. I appreciate that. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. It means a lot. Um, my mom has her third round of chemo this week. Uh, so if you could please keep her in your thoughts and your prayers, that'd mean an awful lot. She's been doing really, really well. She's being really strong, really tough. And I'm so incredibly proud of her. But that doesn't mean it's not hard. And so just keeping her in mind would would really be great uh, for me and my family so if you could do that it'd be great um on a more positive note i hope you guys have a good week um apparently my my dear sweet brother matt is debuting a film with a friend at florida college like tomorrow today soon so uh whenever that gets posted anywhere on the internet i'm definitely going to watch it and probably take an entire episode to review it (laughs) or better yet i'd like to get matt on and have him talk about it that'd be a lot more fun but either way we'll we'll discuss matt's film that'll be fun and uh 
so I think that's really it's really about all that I've got. So um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you love the show, share it with someone you love. If you hate it, share it with someone you hate. And until next week, please think of something to do for your mother for Mother's Day because that's coming up and it would mean a lot to her because she does so much for you.